there are a few things that uh, in the Bible that uh, just stand out to me. The truth I'll preach to you today, I hate to tell you this, it's pretty simple. But uh, pretty simple is pretty needed today. I tell people our church is kind of plain meat and taters, but meat and taters are pretty good for you, amen? Uh, It may not be a fancy truth, but I believe it's one that could change your life. And I'm not here to preach a fancy sermon. I'm not here to impress you. I probably couldn't, even if I tried. But I do want God to change your life. And uh, I think that there's something here that will help you today. There are countless laws and rules in our world today. We humans are sinners. I know that's a shock to some of you. But all of us are sinners. And we've got to have rules. We've got to have laws to protect ourselves from ourselves and to protect ourselves from each other. Here's the problem. This is where I'm going to go from preaching to meddling real fast. Our pride is so bad that we don't think that all the laws apply to us. We just want to obey the ones that we want to obey. I think I could safely say that probably every rule and every law that's ever been written has been broken by someone. Not necessarily the same person. (laughs) I I read something last week that said, you know, every, every 14 seconds someone dies. And someone said the grammar in that indicates that that person dies every 14 seconds of every day. And how many times does a person have to die? But uh, I'm not saying that one person has broken every one of the laws. But I'm sure that every law that has ever been written, every rule in a school has been broken. Brother Scott did. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've, we've all uh, been, a, been guilty of breaking some rules, and some rules were made because we broke rules. Amen? Say, what's for you? None of your business. But our pride is so bad that we don't think that we need to follow all the rules. They're for others, not ourselves. Well, I have found one law. I have found one law that is unable to be broken by man. There is one law in the entire Bible that no matter who you are, you cannot break it. I want you to look at Galatians chapter 6 again. Look at verse number 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth. That shall he also reap. You cannot break the law of sowing and reaping. It is an impossible law for man to break. All other laws can be broken, but this law can never be broken. You see, no matter how hard you try, if you plant corn, you're not going to get potatoes. (laughs) <laughs> I probably shouldn't say it. It's not written down in my sermon, but I'm going to say it anyway. You, you can't raise bulls and have cows. That's right. Two bulls don't make a cow. I don't care what the government says. Amen. 
Two roosters don't have eggs. We have to understand something. You cannot break the law of sowing and reaping. That is one law and one law only that cannot be broken by man. You see, anyone who has ever planted anything understands this. Uh, you can't plant apple trees and get wheat. Uh, you can't plant oats and get corn. You say, well, preacher, if you plant oat seeds, you're going to get oat. Yes, you can't break the law of sowing and reaping. Uh, you can't plant uh, soybeans and get peaches. You say, preacher, that's, that's silly. In other words, you cannot break the law of sowing and reaping. You see, God says, whatever you plant, you'll produce. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Amen. Now, everybody look at me for a moment. This law is true in relationships. If you sow good relationships, you will reap good relationships. If you sow kindness, you'll receive kindness. Maybe not from everybody, but you will receive kindness. If you sow spirituality, you're going to get spirituality back. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to get the flesh back. If you sow in sin, you're going to get sin back. You see, I don't care what area of life you talk about. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, we cannot escape this law. May I say it this way? It applies 100% all the time to 100% of all people. The world may think there is no God, but be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Let's look at this a little closer, and I think I can help you with something today. Because we sin, and because of sin, there are weeds in the soil. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, and we're not going to take time to turn there, allow me to quote it and, and give it to you. I promise you it's out of the King James Bible, the only Bible God ever wrote for the English-speaking people. If you doubt me, we'll talk about that later. But when God, when man sinned, God not only cursed man, God not only cursed the woman, God not only cursed the devil, but he said he would curse the earth. And in that curse, he said that man will bring forth the fruit of the ground by the sweat of his brow, and thorns and thistles shall grow. And weeds are a representation of our sin. Did you know you don't have to plant weeds? It's interesting. You can dig up the ground and sift it. Put it in a pile, wait three weeks, add a little water, and the weeds start growing. That's right. 
the weeds are inherently in the ground because the ground is cursed. You don't have to plant. Well, where did all those weeds come from? The birds? No, it came from the ground. When we were doing construction on this property, we had piles of dirt the size of this auditorium in different places. We never had to plant it in grass. The weeds overtook it faster than you could plant grass. You say, why is that? No matter how, what dirt you pull up, it's going to grow weeds. It's amazing. We can go two months with no rain and the only thing growing is weeds. The grass won't grow, but the weeds will grow. You say, why? Because the earth was cursed by our sin. I'm going to say something here. I'm not against anybody as far as what you choose for health care. There are some people that believe that if you eat tree bark and drink swamp water and uh, pour vinegar down your throat three times a day that you'll be healthy. Well, healthy people die too. Well, it's natural. Vinegar has never been natural. Vinegar is pre-wine. It's rotten juice, first of all. You don't go out and pick vinegar off the tree. So before you get too wound up, but you go to the health food store, and it's amazing, half the health food store is weeds and their seeds. It's a result of sin. Well, you'll be much healthier. I don't care if you take an aspirin or you get you scrape the back of an aspen tree bark and pulverize it and take it. That's what aspirin is. It matters not to me where you get it. It's all coming from the same cursed ground. Well, what about plastic? We have to recycle. Did you know that the plastic came from the very ground that it's going back into at a landfill? It didn't come from space. Danger, Will Robinson. I mean, anyway. (laughs) And just as we are cursed by sin, just as the man was cursed by sin and the woman, and blame God for both, God, the woman thou gavest me, she made me do it. Blame Eve and God in the same sentence. Now, wait a minute. The The ground itself is cursed with weeds. God did not say that you would produce food and plant things without weeds, but he did say whatsoever thou soweth that you're going to reap. Now those weeds may slow down some of the production. It may increase the work necessary for the production, but you can still get something in spite of the weeds. Weeds are a part of the dirt. Weeds require extra labor but you can still grow a good crop in spite of the weeds. You can continue to sow and reap in spite of the weeds. (laughs) Do you think the farmer is going to go out, look at his field and say, well, there's too many weeds, I'm never going to plant corn again? No, what's he going to do? He's going to go out and go and plow it up, plow those weeds under, let them rot, give him time to use it for fertilizer, to give him time to get his corn crop up, and then he'll fight the weeds some other way. You don't say, because there's weeds, I'm not going to plant something. 
We have to expect weeds in life. We're not to stop doing good because there might be some weeds along the way. Did you know that not everybody loves preachers? I know that's hard to believe. They may even say something nasty on Facebook. I don't know. I don't have Facebook, so I don't care. I'd rather have my face in the book than be on Facebook. But did you know what? I'm not supposed to do what I do based on how somebody might not like it. Everybody doing all right? Have you ever seen idiots going to a football game? Man, they'll paint themselves up. Different colors. They'll have all kinds of weird stuff going on. And they want to look at me and say, you're weird as a Christian. Now, wait a minute. Have you ever seen a group of college people at a college football game? I saw a few minutes of the Penn State game last night. They had what they call a whiteout. Everybody was dressed in white clothes. They put white paint all over their faces and their arms and had white everywhere. And yet you bring them to church this morning and they'd say, boy, you're weird. Now, wait a minute. Just because somebody's different doesn't mean that they're weird. <laughs> now, you look at Brother Scott, that's too different. That is weird. No. Uh, <laughs> now, wait a minute. <laughs> Can somebody say amen. Uh, we, yeah, we have to expect weeds in life. Did you know not everybody in life is going to agree with you? Let me go so far as to say this. Did you realize that you don't even agree with you sometimes? Yeah. So if you don't agree with you and others don't agree with you, guess what? It's going to happen in life. We're not to stop doing good because somebody might be upset. Did you know God said we're supposed to go door to door, house to house, with the gospel to every creature? Did you know I get phone calls with people that aren't happy that we knocked on their door? During COVID, we knocked on doors. <gasps> I had a lady from Shepherdstown call me. She said, I thought you were a man of the cloth. I said, no, ma'am, I'm a Baptist preacher. She said, well, you're supposed to be concerned about people. And she started cussing me up one side and down another. I let her go for about 15, 20 seconds and... and, and coming out my ears I said ma'am shut up she shook herself for a second I said let me tell you something you're so all fire worried about their body but you don't care about whether they die and go to hell or heaven I care about their eternity you only care about this life I said maybe you ought to understand I love them more than you do and I care more than you do because this life is short but eternity is forever maybe you ought to read what we left at your house and she hung up. Go figure. You say, preacher, doesn't that bother you? I don't do it because of how people respond. I do it because God said do it. Amen. Brother Aaron and I and two others knocked on almost 900 doors during the week of the revival that I preached. Did you know not everybody liked us? I told my wife just the other day, I said... <laughs> The pastor and I had something happen I have never had happen out soul winning. Now, when this preacher can say it's never happened out soul winning, after millions of doors that I've knocked, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetimer. 
There was an old feller sitting on the porch, probably at least 57. Uh, <laughs> I, honest, I honestly don't know how old the feller was, but uh, the pastor walked up to him, and we were down on the lower level. He was up on the porch, and he said, Sir, can I give you one of these? We're from, and he gave the name of the church, and he said, I don't want it. That wasn't something that was new. This is what was new. He said, I'm tired of church. He said, I went to church with my wife, went to go get help for our marriage, and the pastor ran off with my wife. Preacher looked at me and said, now what do I say? I thought, what are you looking at me for? He said, went to visit him to get help for my marriage, and after eight times to his office, he left with my wife. I said, sir, I'll be honest with you. I don't even know what to say to you right now, other than I am so very sorry. I said, do you have a good doctor? He said, sure, I got a great doctor. I said, have you ever had one that wasn't so good? Oh, yeah, I had one. I said, so all doctors aren't bad, right? He said, no, there's some good ones out there. I said, not all preachers are bad either. He said, well, now that makes sense. Well, at least he didn't cuss me out, amen? My heart hurt for the feller. I understand why he was hurt. I do. We got to talk to him for a while. And I think maybe, just maybe, he might go back to church. But I could see why he'd be a little gun-shy, wouldn't you? Did you know there's always going to be weeds? I can't guarantee if you plant your garden, matter of fact, I can guarantee you're going to have weeds. But if you take care of the weeds, you're going to have a harvest too. So, first of all, because of sin, weeds are always in the soil. Because of sin, people are always going to sin. Everybody look at me for just a second. Grace Baptist Church is not a church full of perfect people. Did you know Grace Baptist Church is a hospital for hurting people? Not a museum piece where we put somebody on display and say, look how perfect you are. Uh, the preacher's not perfect. No nail prints. Trust me, I know him quite well. He's not perfect. Shut up. But may I say this? I'm, 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 I'm sick up to here and about ready to, I was going to say barf my guts, vomit. Uh, with all this preaching of, well, if you can't go to church for the right reason, don't go. Can I tell you something? You come for any reason at all. I'd rather preach to a jerk in a pew than an empty pew. Amen. <laughs> I'd rather somebody come with a bad, bad motive and they hear the word of God and God changes their heart than not to show up at all. Amen. God doesn't care why you came. He's just glad you're here and wants to work on you while you're here. See, we're all sinners. We're all made out of the same dirt. Did you know your body's made out of dirt? My body's made out of dirt. Some of us have lighter dirt. Some of us have darker dirt. But did you know we're not to compare how clean our dirt is to other dirt? Well, my dirt's not as dirty as your dirt is. It's still dirt. Everybody doing okay? Why are we so hung up on dirt? It's full of weeds. 
It's going to grow weeds. Your children are not perfect. Neither are mine. They're all grown and having their own kids and finding out their kids are not perfect either. You see, none of us are perfect. We're all full of weeds. Number two. (laughs) This one is going to hurt a little. Growth and reaping can only come by harshness. Growth and reaping can only come by harshness. Take your Bible, turn to John chapter 12. I want to show you a verse that Jesus used. And it may help you understand it just a little better. John chapter 12. Look at verse number 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, and what? Die. Die. It abideth alone. But if it, what? Die. Die, it bringeth forth Much fruit. Did you know for something to grow, it must first die? There is a death to a seed. That means this, Psalm 126, 5 and 6 says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. But you'll bring no sheaves... Without weeping first. You see, for a plant to grow, for a seed to grow, you have to plow up the ground. It's going to take some work. And if you're in West Virginia, you got to go through a lot of rocks. Amen? Then you have to put that seed in the ground and it has to get hot. It's got to get wet. And that heat and that moisture is going to cause it to die. And the outside of that seed is going to start rotting. But that's what gives you the germination. And all of a sudden, with the right temperatures and the right moisture and the right soil, that thing starts growing. And up it comes. But it takes some harshness. It's going to take some sunshine. It's going to take some rain. It's going to take some heat. It's going to take some work of the soil. And all this begins the growth. Did you know that that plant's going to have to go through the windstorms, the rainstorms, the heat of the summer, the dryness? It's going to have to go through some harsh times to bring forth fruit. That remains. By the way, growth does not come quickly. Uh, Seven and a half months ago, my grandson was born. Did you know, Brother Larry, by the time he was born, I already had his first rifle for him? And bullets. But he's not ready to shoot it yet. I haven't taken it to him yet. Say why? Because his grandmother won't let me. I mean, uh, (laughs) no, it's just not time yet. Just because I have it doesn't mean he's ready for it. 
he's still not even really talking and slobbering and got his first tooth and all that kind of stuff. He's not ready to pull the trigger yet on 22, but he will be one of these days real soon. Growth takes a while. We were there for his birth. The day he was hatched doesn't mean I handed him 22 and said, let's go hunting, son. Now, did I want to? Yeah. I said, one of these days you and Papa are going to be hunting buddies. But not yet. He's not ready yet. Now, hang on for a second here. Growth takes time. You don't plant seed today and reap it tomorrow. And the same is, by the way, you can be nice to somebody today, but that doesn't mean they're going to be nice tomorrow. Sometimes it takes growth. Uh, The harshness of opposition in life is what will make you grow stronger. How do I? uh, All sunshine makes a desert. Some of you came in this morning, oh, it just rained. Rain, rain, rain. Yeah, for two days out of the whole summer. And you're already tired of it. I told the choir, I said, you're going to have to smile bigger and sing a little louder because everybody's sitting out there like this. (laughs) Say, why? Because people allow the rain to bring them down a little bit. Well, it's cloudy out, and it's just so... Yeah, but you were complaining about how dry and how hot it's been all summer. All sunshine makes a desert. (laughs) Did you know it might be hot all the time, but it's going to burn things out? Problems and opposition are what help us to grow strong. When we were back in Ohio, Brother Aaron and I were out... And we drove by a, my grandparents' house. There's a giant, giant oak tree in the backyard. I remember the day that we planted that tree, Dad. You and, was it you and Grandpa? Went to the woods and pulled out a, an oak tree out of the ground that was about that tall and about that big around. And it probably wasn't much bigger around than my thumb. That tree's every bit of 110, 120 foot tall right now, and the base of it's wider than this pulpit. It's huge. If it ever fell, it would hit four houses. I mean, it's just that big. Now, can I tell you something about that tree? This is something you don't understand. That tree needs the wind. See, the leaves come out on that tree so that when the wind hits that tree, it'll start moving at the top a little bit. Say, well, why does it have to do that? Because every time that tree moves and it rocks back and forth, it, those root, it's pulling on those roots and it's loosening up the dirt around those roots. And when that dirt loosens up around the roots, those roots can take off and grow a little farther. And the more wind that blows and the harder that it blows, the stronger that tree can be. If there's no opposition, that tree will eventually fall over. It's got to have those storms and the rain to come to soften the soil and the wind to blow to move that tree and break up that ground so that those roots can go a little deeper and a little deeper and a little farther out. 
But without that opposition, that tree will fall. It's got to have that opposition. How about we not whine and complain about the harshness of life? I just don't understand, preacher. It's just so hard. Oh, come here. Let me burp you. (laughs) Did you not realize that that harshness is what makes you strong? I've used this illustration a lot. I'm sorry, but it just illustrates it well. That's like you going to the gym, stopping and getting four Whoppers and three things of fries and two extra large Diet Cokes and sitting on the couch at the gym. Watching everybody work out, and you walk out and say, well, I went to the gym, I'm stronger. No, you're not. Just because you go to the gym doesn't mean that you got stronger. You have to put the food down and go work out on the machines and face the opposition before you get strength. It is the presence of opposition that gives you strength, not the lack thereof. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble on this one, but here we go. The Bible says it's good for a man to bear the burden in his youth. I'm sick up to here with parents who don't let their kids struggle. You need to let your kids struggle. You need to let them suffer. You need to let them do some things harder than what they think they can do. And when they start whining and crying about it, As my father would have said, I'm going to give you something to whine and cry about. It's just too hard. You wait till you have a boss and tell your boss it's too hard. Shoot. 16 years old, before I turned 16, I got my job secured. The first day at work, my dad showed up and went to the boss and said, "If if it doesn't work hard enough, fire him. I hated taking my dad where I went to work. Everywhere I went, he told the boss to fire me. (laughs) Say, why? Because he knew I was supposed to work. I needed that opposition. By the way, I don't have a time clock. I don't have somebody uh, checking on me to make sure my work gets done. I thank God that I had the harshness as a young person And I had mom and dad and others who said, okay, it's hard. That means do it again. Do it some more. Not, okay, let me help you. Oh, no, 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 no. You know how my dad helped me? Do it again. (sighs) But do it again. I remember chopping wood. Man, we chopped wood and 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 chopped wood. And uh, when I went to college and came back, my dad had this machine. It's called a log splitter. (laughs) I said, Dad, where'd you find this thing? He said, they've been out for years. I said, how come? He said, I fed two log splitters. I didn't need to rent one. (laughs) Doggone. I remember one year we got into a batch and we, we cut a lot of wood. My dad's out there, and he's got the big old splitting mall, and he's pop with this old oak. I said, Dad, I think I'm big enough to try that. He's back there grinning at me right now. He knows exactly what he did to me. I didn't know this, but we, he had gotten into a, a, about a half a truckload of something called ironwood. If you've never been up north and know what ironwood is, it, it's kind of a cross between 
uh, oak and solid iron. Because it grows up near where they mine for iron ore, and it gets, it literally, the wood rusts. It's full of metal. But it's as hard as a brick. He put that piece of ironwood up there. I didn't know what it was. It's just another log. <laughs> Try it again. The log falls off. He said, Here, give me that. He picks up a different log. He, he split that one. He puts the one back up that I didn't get. Finally, after a few times of that, I said, well, split the one I put out there. He said, we're not going to do that. I did wisen up after a little while. Now, wait a minute. He was teaching me how to be stronger and smarter. You see, why is it that we want to keep our kids from struggling? If they get a bad grade at school, good. Good? Yeah, good. They need to learn. They got to do something over? Good. They need to learn. I remember coming home one day and I, I was supposed to mow the yard. I missed some spots. My dad didn't say go out there and mow those spots. He said go out there and mow the whole yard. He said, you did a terrible job. Go back and do it the right way this time. I had to mow the whole stinking yard again. That was before gas was $15 a gallon, too. I was like, but, but, there's only... Uh, he said, no, you didn't do it right the first time. You're going to do it right this time and mow the whole lawn the right way. Whew. Did you know it's easier to mow it right once than it is to mow it twice? Now, I may not have been real smart, no comments, but I did learn fast. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, because, we're, because of sin, weeds are always going to be in the soil. Number two, growth and reaping can only come by harshness and opposition. Now, the whole sermon comes down to this point, number three. When we sow the fruit of the Spirit, we can reap the fruit of the Spirit. But when we sow to the flesh, we reap the flesh. Look at Galatians chapter 6 again. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap, what's the next word? Corruption. Corruption. That's death. Proof that we're all sinners, for the wages of sin is death. We're all going to die. But he that soweth to the what? Now, is that a small s or a capital S? Capital S. That's the Holy Spirit, right? So he that soweth to the Holy Spirit shall of the Holy Spirit reap life everlasting. Now, look at me. How do we sow to the Spirit? Go back to Galatians chapter 5. Just a few verses back. Go back to verse number 22 in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the what? Spirit. Small s or capital? capital? So that's the Holy Spirit, right? 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 There you go. Okay, just want to make sure you're still awake. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no 
law. Now look at me. Did you know you can't produce love? The Holy Spirit does. You can't produce joy. The Holy Spirit does. It's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of our flesh. But here's what I want you to see. Do you know what a piece of fruit is? A piece of fruit is a seed pod. If you add an apple, it has apple seeds in the core. And God made it so that there's enough material around the seed that if it rots and gets into the ground, that another tree could grow. A tomato is a seed pod. So the fruit, even a bean, it has all the little beans in the pod. Put that in the ground, eventually it could grow another bean plant. So the fruit of the plant is actually a seed pod. Correct? So if we will plant the fruit of the Spirit, if we will utilize love, we will reap love by the Holy Spirit and be able to produce more fruit. If we will plant the fruit of joy, we can reap joy and go on. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, not harshness. Blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All those things, if we will plant those things by using those things, and as we use those things, the Holy Spirit says, I can give you a bigger plant. Your tree is going to grow and produce more fruit. And because you've planted more fruit, now you have an orchard growing. And the more of this you plant, the bigger your orchard is, and the more fruit that you produce, the greater the value is. We have too many people trying to produce love in their own way. No, you use the love God gave us through the word of God. Amen. You use the Holy Spirit, not your flesh. Well, if you love me, let me. No, if you love me, oh, keep my commandments. That's what God said. God didn't say love somebody in the flesh. He said love them. Uh, I said this. Every once in a while. Ladies, you know what it means to love somebody that doesn't love you. There's nothing as worthless as the love of an infant child. Because an infant cannot love. All it can do is eat, exhaust, and cry. A, a brand new baby does not have the ability to love you back. It has a seed of love in it. And if it grows, it has the ability to love you back. But that infant by itself needs loved in order to know how to love. And you have to teach it to love. And you invest that love. And then the love comes back. Then you get those big open mouth slobbery kisses with spit going everywhere. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Now, wait a minute. That's what God says. You reap love 
by loving. Not by going out trying to gather up everybody else's love. Love is satisfied in giving, not receiving. Love is not that you get it back your way either. I'd rather be loved by God than loved by any person. I don't always understand it, but I know it's what's best. So we cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit, but we can sow its seeds. And we sow the fruit of the Spirit by using it. Some of you have all of your patience and have no patience left. Because you've never sown your patience. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, temperance, meekness. You see, we, we expect to get what we want instead of planting so that we can receive. You have to do the action of planting it before you'll get it back in a harvest. As we sow more seed, it makes us stronger and bigger to be able to produce more seed. That means we need to live and walk and feed the spirit and then our life can harvest a spiritualness. It's not real hard. I hate to say this. It's kind of a simple truth. But did you know that if you read the Bible, God will give you spiritual truth? Did you know if you come to Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service, the more of them you come to, you're sowing more of the spirit. And God has the ability to increase how much spirit he gives back to you. When we obey the Bible, it's amazing what God can do. If we just obey him in baptism, obey him in church membership, obey him by doing what the Bible says, it is amazing what happens in our life. Well, we got to have this cute program. No, we don't have to have a cute program. We just need to do what God said. And God says... Psalm 126, 5 and 6, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. That word sow means going out with a leaky seed basket. That means if we'll just plant seed everywhere we go, it's amazing what will happen. (laughs) I was in Ohio knocking on doors and I talked to a 21-year-old young lady standing at a door named Aaliyah. I said, Aaliyah, do you know for sure you're going to heaven someday? She said, well, I'm working on it. I said, okay, can I show you something? She said, sure. I opened up my New Testament and showed her 1 John five thirteen. These things have I written unto you to believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Amen. I said, I'm going to ask you a strange question, Aaliyah. Did, can God lie? She said, no. I said, you're right. So if God can't lie, there has to be a way for us to know that we have eternal life or God's a liar, right? Well, Yeah. And I showed her Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one, for, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I said, we're all sinners. Aaliyah, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner, right? Yes. And the pastor happened to be standing next to me. I said, you can tell by looking at that guy, you know he's a bad sinner. <laughs> we giggled a little. I showed her Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Proof we're all sinners, we're all going to die. But that's not just our body. 
What's inside of you has to go forever somewhere, either to heaven or hell. Revelation 20. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. To whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. I said, God's concerned about your body, but he's also concerned about your eternity. I said, Aaliyah, a little while ago, I asked you if you knew for sure you're going to heaven. You said you were working at it. I said, here's the problem. If you could do it by what you did, why did Jesus have to come and die for your sins? I don't know. She said, I never thought of that. I said, here's the problem, Aaliyah. You're a sinner and you can't work on it on yourself. You're not good enough. You'd have to be as good as Jesus. Are you that good? She said, no. <laughs> I took her to Romans 10, 9, 10, 11, 13 and showed her for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That 21-year-old young lady bowed her head and trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior. She looked at me, she said, that's the first time anybody's ever explained that to me to where I could understand it. I said, well, I'm glad I got to be the one. I said, Aaliyah, if you died today, where would you go? She said, according to the Bible, heaven. I said, 50 years from now, when you're as old as I am, if you died, <laughs> I said, where would you go? She said, heaven. I said, if you died a million years from now, where would you be? She said, heaven. I said, exactly. I said, isn't it wonderful to know for sure? She said, thank you for coming by my house today. Now, wait a minute. It's that simple. All we have to do is obey it. I've explained that hundreds of thousands and probably millions of times to people. And many say, no, I don't want it. I'm only accountable for spreading the seed. Man, we were passing out flyers and we were knocking on doors. Brother Aaron was so wound up, he walked into a bar and put 15 of them on the counter of the bar and asked the bartender if they would pass them out for him. And then he got a drink. No, uh, <laughs> across the street at the gas station. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm not kidding. You say, well, do you think any, I don't know, but at least we're getting seed out. If you read the parable of the sowing seed, some falls on stony ground, some falls on thin soil, but some takes root and produces fruit. I'm just supposed to get the, get the seed out. You're supposed to get the seed out. The one law we cannot break, the law of sowing and reaping. Oh, by the way, the Bible says in Galatians 5, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against flesh. These are the contrary one to the other that, so that you cannot do these things that you would. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And we wonder why the world is so messed up. Because it's the law of sowing and reaping. Maybe we ought to start sowing to the spirit instead of to the flesh. One law you cannot break, the law of sowing and reaping. I say, well, what about the law of sin and death? That is the law of sowing and reaping. Because if you reject God's way to go to heaven and you accept man's religious ways, 
and how man tells God God has to accept man instead of doing what God says, you're going to reap what you sow. It's that simple. It all comes down to one law we cannot break. Be not deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever. A man soweth. That shall he also reap. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm done. I won't belabor the invitation. We'll have one. But would you be honest for a moment? Would you just, you and God, be honest with one another?